Welcome back inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. You follow me on Twitter at Rosvogel Report. Now let's jump right into it and talk about yet another Saints victory, their fifth straight. They go into Chicago, into the Windy City against all odds. Don't have Breeze, don't have Kamara, don't have Cook. The Bears are coming off a bye week. And guess what? They laid the smackdown on, quote-unquote, the most physical team in the NFL, or at least some what some people think. And in my opinion, out of all the wins this season, and there have been a lot of nice wins. Uh, you talk about Breeze leading the game-winning drive week one, Seattle with Bridgewater, um, even the Bucks or the, the Dallas win. But no, this win right here I think was the most impressive by the Saints. And it's not just because they were able to win by such a convincing margin. It's because they did it without their two best players. You can make a case Breeze and Kamara are their two best players for sure. I know Cam's in the mix, Lattimore's in the mix, Michael Thomas in the mix. But those two right there are so important. And without them, for you to just beat down the Bears and beat them at their own game is just so impressive. And it's a testament to what Sean Payton's been able to do and why I think, and I've been very adamant on it, he's the coach of the year. I know people are going to say Kyle Shanahan, and I understand that. Um, and some people might actually say Sean McDermott of the Bills. They're 5-1. and one. But what Sean Payton's done, the adversity he's overcome, and the fact that this is the third straight year the Saints are doing it, um, and I posted a joke yesterday saying where Colin was wrong because he said the Saints were going to crash hard this year. It's very hard to command the respect and the attention of every guy in the locker room after the couple seasons the Saints have gone through. They went through the Minnesota Miracle. It was very easy to quit, but they didn't. They went through the no call. It was very easy to quit and blame the refs, but they didn't. And now you see where they are, and they're in a position to right the wrongs and make it you know, a third time's a charm. That could happen to the Saints team, and a big reason would be because of Sean Payton. Now, let's just talk about the game in general. I'm not going to recap certain plays and what went down, because you guys watched the game. I'm not just going to dumb it down for you guys at all, because one, you don't need it. You're a very smart fan base. And two, it would just be repetitive of me to just go over every play. But what I'm going to talk about to start is this defense and what they were able to do. One, they didn't let the Bears run the football. And two, they forced Trubisky into deep throws where he'd have to put it on the money, put it on his back shoulder to Anthony Miller, make a strike down the field to Allen Robinson, get Taylor Gabriel out in space. None of that happened. So what the Saints did, for the exception of the last two minutes, was say, all right, Mitch Trubisky, beat us. And guess what? We all knew that wasn't going to happen. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was very relieved when the Bears named Mitch Trubisky the starter. No, Chase Daniel playing does not mean the game changes and the Bears win. But what it does mean is there at least is a competent quarterback under center for the Bears, and he won't make too many mistakes. He won't have drives go three and out immediately. And... I mean this with all due respect because I bet Mitch is a nice guy and he seems like a good person, but he's not a good quarterback. He's not even an okay quarterback. And the Bears traded up to draft him over Deshaun Watson, over Patrick Mahomes, and it just shows we're, we we watch a league where there's this dumb standard that if you look the part, you should be able to play the part, but that's not the case, and we're seeing it with Trubisky. He looked 
Take away the last two minutes, which is just utter garbage time. He looked lost against the Saints defense. That pass rush was clicking. The secondary was fantastic. And the linebacking corps, I mean, Klein had a good game. Davis is always good. And they all did their job. So that's like an A-plus effort from this defense all around. Let's shift it over to the offense because there was a little bit of controversy on Twitter, a little bit of controversy with everyone on whether or not Teddy Bridgewater played well. Here's the reality. For the most part, he did play well. There were a couple of times where he should have pulled the trigger. He took an unnecessary sack in one spot. But, I mean, the guy who got criticized the most in that Saints win had to be Ted Ginn because he dropped a touchdown. And other than that, I think Teddy was pretty good. I think Teddy he missed a couple throws down the field, ended up taking a sack. There were a couple plays where he had his check down and he kind of missed him. But overall, if you're going to throw for almost 300 yards and two touchdown passes and no turnovers against that Bears defense, you had a good game. And I think what Teddy did really well was once the running game got going, and I'll, I'll get to Latavius in a couple of minutes, Teddy just picked apart that secondary on those deep shots. We saw a couple of Michael Thomas. We saw a couple of Ted Ginn. Um, there are even a couple of plays where you're going for a deep shot. They don't have it, but it'll hit Josh Hill in a crossing pattern, and he'll get 27 yards. And by the way, Josh Hill, 43 yards in the touchdown. He did pretty good filling in for Jared Cook. So I know people get on his back, but he had a nice game. And overall, what I just want to say about Bridgewater, I know a lot of people disagree with me on this topic, and it's totally fine. Um, everyone's you know, entitled to their own opinion on this. He, in my eyes, is a fitting replacement for Drew Brees because he's never going to be Drew Brees, and people just can't come to grips with that idea that we'll have a drop-off from a Hall of Fame quarterback to an okay quarterback. But they haven't lost a game under Bridgewater. So whatever people are complaining about, it makes no sense, okay? Yeah, we know Drew's better. It's not even close, but they haven't lost a game with Teddy as a starter this season. That's important to realize because they can go and search for another guy, but no one's proven. I mean, even the guys that we think are guaranteed to star in this NFL and, and go off and have long Hall of Fame careers, sometimes doesn't happen. Andrew Luck was a lock to be a Hall of Famer, and his career was over before Teddy Bridgewater's. So I think people are just a little too unrealistic with their demands, and I get it. Teddy's frustrating at times. So he doesn't pull the trigger, but he doesn't make mistakes. He does take more than enough shots down the field as the game progresses. And remember, he's getting a feel for the game. He's getting better each and every week, and we keep seeing it on display. And if there's a possible scenario where the Saints can keep him as their quarterback after this year, sign me up for that scenario. Obviously, if Drew comes back, Drew's your quarterback. But in the ideal scenario, you win the Super Bowl, Drew retires on top, and Teddy's your guy. And I know people are going to complain, and that's fine. I'm, I know why they do complain. I'm not going to state it, obviously, because we all should be realistic with each other and know what the reason is. But Teddy has played well. He's only going to get better. He's only 26. And I think the Saints, if they can keep him, it's going to be tough because teams know what Teddy is now. They're like, you know what? That's a good quarterback. At the very least, he's Alex Smith. At the very least. Teams are going to sign up for that. So I think it's going to be tough on the Saints to keep him. But if they can, I'm all aboard on getting Teddy Bridgewater for the long haul as the Saints quarterback. Now, before we go to a break, I just want to talk about a really, really tough topic here, and it's it's it was brutal for us to watch. And fortunately enough, the latest updates are pretty encouraging. But Eli Apple, going down in garbage time, you never want to see that happen. It looked like he just slipped on the turf or his knee gave out. Now, John Hendricks um, from Canal Street Chronicles reporting that it's really, as of now, a hyperextended knee, which is really good because – a hyperextended knee, there's a good case where Eli can miss the next game, you know, take the bye, 
and come back for the Atlanta game, which they would really need him because Atlanta does have a nice receiving core. Granted, they suck, but the receiving core is pretty nice. I think Eli Apple, if it's really a hyperextended knee, will miss maybe two to three games. And, I, and I, I'm maybe even that. He might just miss one and, and come back. The video that his mom put out of him walking looks pretty encouraging. Now, you can walk on a torn ACL. I want people to know that. It, it doesn't stop you from walking. But what happens when you have a torn ACL? There's this weird hitch in your walk when you're walking. Like it was just here, you know, because of the, you know, instability there and, and you just can't really get a good grip to how, uh, how you should normally walk, you'd notice it. But there, granted, there's a limp in the video where Eli's walking, but it kind of looks like a limp where it's like a Charlie horse instead of, you know, actually having a torn ACL. I, I thought that was an encouraging sign. Um, I, I don't, I honestly, and I don't, don't buy stock into me playing, you know, Twitter doctor here, but I don't think the Saints are going to be without Eli Apple for the rest of the year. I think it's going to be a uh, two to three week thing, and they'll get him back, and they may have dodged a bullet, um, but that's why garbage time stinks because we that changed the whole mood of the game. I mean, like everyone was ready to celebrate and trash talk the Bears and all that, and then Eli gets hurt, and it's like, damn, we were two minutes away from coming out of this game unscathed, but now. You got to worry about Eli Apple status. But when Hendrick says it, when Nick Underhill says it, I believe them. I think it's just a hyperextended knee. And I don't think people are going to have to worry too much about Eli's long-term status. And remember, it's not about having him right now. It's about having him down the road in the playoffs. Because the way this Saints team's going, that's a playoff football team. They just got to keep their foot on the gas. Um, so if they can have Eli for the long haul, they'll be fine. Even if it's a two to three, even four week thing where they don't have him. Now, when I come back, I'm going to answer all your questions that you guys left me on Twitter. Talk about Drew Brees and when he should come back, and we'll address some of those trade rumors regarding the Saints. But that will all come up after this short message. And welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. So I already covered what was going on with the Saints. Win over the Bears, how Teddy Bridgewater played, the Eli Apple injury, and a couple other topics. Now let's get into the questions that you guys left me on Twitter, and we'll go through them one by one. So most of them are either Eli Apple related, Drew related, or Emmanuel Sanders related, but we'll get through them and talk about it. But the first one, Jack asked me, any Saints talk about a potential Emmanuel Sanders trade? Here's reality, Jack. So you got Brian Bienemy who's reporting it. You got Benjamin Albright, who's reporting it. You got other couple of people from Denver saying that Emmanuel Sanders is officially on the block. The Saints are one of four teams looking out for him. You have the Saints, you have the Patriots, you have the Niners and the Packers, all four teams that I think are the four best teams in the NFL right now. And they all want Sanders, rightfully so. He's a good veteran. He can come in for the Saints and do wonders for that offense if they can get him. I'll say this. It is not going to be for the lack of trying. The Saints are going to give it their all to try and get Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to get him. I'm going to sit here and tell you they are trying right now. They're on the phones. They're working out deals if they can to bring in another wide receiver. And Emmanuel Sanders is at the top of that list. Now, Matt asked, should Drew come back next week if possible? Or should we make him wait till the bye? So actually, Matt. That's a great question because I was going to talk about that topic and I'll still talk about it in a couple of minutes. Here's my reality. If Drew says he's ready, you got to play Drew. 
And that's the bottom line because Drew is a Hall of Famer. He's a smart guy. You got to trust him right here. Um, I think he should be ready to go whenever he says he's ready to go. Mitch asked, impact of Eli's absence. Um, if he's gone for a prolonged period, I can't handle one snap of Ken Crawley. Uh, so first off, Mitch, you're not alone. There's a lot of Saints fans out there that cannot handle another snap of Ken Crawley. But here's the thing. Eli Apple, even if he hyperextended his knee, there's no reason to play him against the Arizona Cardinals. Although the Cardinals are playing well and they're on a three-game winning streak, they're not doing it because of their wide receivers. They only had 100 yards receiving this past week against the Giants, who are a significantly, significantly worse defense than the Saints. So I think as long as you have a slot uh, guy who can cover Larry Fitz, because that's where he's going to be for the most part, and they do, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson looked pretty darn good, and they've just been pretty good with slot guys anyway the last couple of weeks. They'll be fine. Um, I think Ken Crawley can play against Arizona, and we won't be like, oh my God, he's getting exposed. I think he could hold his own. Um, I think he'd be fine against Arizona. I, I, for a long time, no. You don't want Ken Crawley in there against Atlanta. You don't want him in there against Tampa Bay. But you know what? Can you handle it against Arizona? You definitely can um, for sure. Now, John said, how about the refs gifting the 21 points to the Bears? Look, I'll put it this way. It's not about gifting the re- the Bears points. It's about taking away points from the Saints. Uh, the punt return touchdown taken away. The fumble, granted, we probably touched Von Bell on that one. Stop blowing the whistle early. Like, just let it play out because I was trying to explain to people. I know it doesn't take away points or take away a touchdown there from Von Bell, but it cost Sean Payton a challenge. And even though he did win it, he'd have to win the next challenge for him to get another one back. So it's an unfair spot if you just let it play out and then come back and review it because turnovers are automatically reviewed. You don't have anything to worry about. So... I really don't know why the refs continue to do this. Now, can't guard Mo said, Teddy's playing really well. How worried should we be about him signing somewhere else to be a starting quarterback next season? Um, Pretty worried. I think Teddy's played so well um, in terms of he's going to earn a big contract. I know he doesn't look, you know, he doesn't jump off the stat sheet, but Teddy's undefeated. Teddy is making some nice throws down the field at certain times. He does have a couple of big games. Yesterday was another one of those. Um, Someone would take Teddy as a starter. I think the decision comes down to whether or not Teddy says, you know what? I'm still young. I'm still improving. I'm only going to get better. Do I want to stay in New Orleans? And if you guys listened to... I believe it was either Chris Myers talking Teddy Bridgewater or Steve Weich. I know what I think it was Steve Weich uh, from NFL Network. Great reporter. He had uh, a one-on-one interview with Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy said, I'm only 26. I have so much time to grow. And it doesn't hurt to sit back and learn from Drew. Now, the question is, can the Saints pay him enough to say, all right, you stay with us for another year till Drew's gone or whenever Drew retires? That's the question. So I would say the Saints should have a 50-50 shot at keeping Teddy but, you know, there is that 50% where you're like, I'm a little worried he might leave and go to a better situation, or not a better situation, but a team where he could actually start for um, next season. Now, this is a funny Twitter name, but Gardner Minshew fan account, and that, you know, got to love Gardner Minshew. If Breeze st- says he's healthy and ready to go next week for his Cardinals, do you start him, play him, or keep him out? So, I mean, I believe it was Matt that asked this before, but this is what I would do. I, I think reps matter in this league. If Breeze is cleared by the doctors, I think you play him. And obviously, you don't do it if he's not. Um, But I I do think 
for people saying rest him until after the bye, you're not wrong. I think it's such a tricky situation. You know Drew's your starter. It's like, do we want Drew to get two more weeks of rest or do we want Drew to come in, get a feel, then go into the bye and get rest again and then come back swinging and firing all cylinders against the Falcons? That's really the um, the question there. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how the Saints handle it. Now, Lucas asked, any news about Eli Apple? Uh, Lucas, I said before, and I'll just reiterate, John Hendricks from SB Nation and Nick Underhill from The Athletic are saying that it's a hyperextended knee. I think that's a good bet. I think it, that's what it seems like. Um, we'll get more news in the coming hours, maybe coming days. Um, we should know by Tuesday afternoon at the latest what the status is of Eli Apple. Uh, Jonas Fortez asks the same thing about Eli's injury. Just covered a little bit, but it is a big news, Jonas. That's a good question to ask just in general how he's handling it because they're going to need him out there. Um, and last question um, is about garbage time and the way they're playing. Dude, I, I can't stress to you guys how much I hate watching how nonchalant the Saints play during uh, garbage time. But I'll say this. It's every NFL team. It's not just the Saints. It's all 32, maybe for the exception of the Patriots, because they know Bill Belichick will be on them if they you know, give up big plays. But most teams in garbage time just give up a bunch of yardage that you wish they didn't, but you got to understand it's the nature of the game, and it does happen. Now, those are all the questions. A lot of them this week. Um very happy and very thrilled that you guys felt the need to ask all those questions. I'm going to continue to do that on a weekly basis. Now, let's switch gears. Let's talk about trade rumors. What's going on? Are the Saints going to add anyone? There's two names that I like and two names that Brian Biennemi brought up, and it's Emmanuel Sanders and Golden Tate. The Emmanuel Sanders one is very clear. They're going to trade him. I, I think this is the year to do it. Expiring deal, I believe, or maybe one more year left, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He's getting up in age. He's still a, a serviceable uh, veteran, a good wide receiver. The teams will trade a mid-round pick, fourth-round pick, maybe, maybe a third. And the time is now. Their season's over. They're 2-5, and five, and they're facing the Colts next week. 2-6. and six, Mark it down. So he's going to be on the block. And I think the Saints would be very fortunate to add him. But the Golden Tate name is very interesting. Golden Tate's got like three, three more years of... Um, team control under that contract he signed with the Giants this last offseason. Saints fans wanted Golden Tate. He's a really good slot receiver, and he would have fit into this offense. We haven't had a good slot receiver since Lance Moore, might I add. So he would really be a nice fit there. He's tough. He is a dog. You think you think Michael Thomas talks trash? You think all these defenders on the Saints talk trash? Golden Tate is one of the biggest trash talkers in the NFL, so he would fit that moxie that the Saints are bringing in. He's reliable on third down. His yards after the catch are always great, even at this stage of his career. Um, and he just gives you a, a sure-handed target in the middle of the field, and that's something where the Saints can use. So I will say this. If both options are available, and I'm not sure they are. Emmanuel is. I'm just not 100% sure on Golden Tate. I've made a couple of phone calls. I'm from New York. Still not you know fully connected with Giants sources here, but I've talked to a lot of people who do cover the Giants. and. They think Golden Tate for the right price can be moved for the right price. So if Golden Tate is available, I actually prefer him over Emmanuel Sanders for two reasons. Golden Tate's more durable. Golden Tate's a slot receiver that the Saints can use to their advantage against a lot of these teams. He's got playoff experience. And not that Emmanuel Sanders doesn't. He's a Super Bowl champion. I just love that Golden Tate's played in the NFC his whole career. Madison is playing the AFC. Now, you might ask what's the difference is, but there is a difference. There always is. And Golden Tate is someone that the Saints were looking at. 
The Saints are looking at slot receivers. They're looking at Golden Tate. They're looking at Adam Humphreys. Both of them, their asking price was a little too high at the time. Things change as the season goes on. So I think Golden Tate's the better fit, but the Saints might be more inclined to get Emmanuel Sanders because you use him for a year, he's a rental, and then you get a compensation pick when he leaves. That's the thought process. And that's why if you're asking me today, who do I think the Saints will acquire at the deadline? I'll say Emmanuel Sanders. But if you tell me which one I'd rather have, I think I'd rather have Golden Tate. And it all comes down to preference of what you think thrives in Sean Payton's system. I think they can use a slot receiver, and that's why I'd like to see it. But Sanders ain't bad at all. You could throw Sanders in the slot at times. He can go deep. He's probably more versatile than Golden Tate. Uh, But I think Golden Tate, definitely in terms of figuring out this slot situation, would be the nice option. Now, before we wrap today's episode, and a lot to talk about, which is good. You know, got the deadline heating up. The Saints are heating up. Uh, just a great season overall so far for New Orleans. Let's talk about Drew Brees. What happens this Sunday? So, let's be real. Sean Payton is not going to let anyone know who's the starting quarterback till maybe Thursday. Probably being generous. Probably Friday. Okay? And Drew Brees is practicing this week. It's going to happen. He's throwing a regulation-sized football. I saw a lot of people saying he hasn't. That's false. So, if anyone tells you right now that Drew Brees is not throwing a regulation-sized football... Disregard that. It's already been reported that he has. He's been doing it for over a week now. Uh, it might be even two weeks. He's been throwing a regulation, regulation size football. I know there's a video going out on Sunday of him during warmups, not throwing the football, just kind of pump faking and stuff. And people said he wants to throw that ball so bad, but he can't. No, he can. He's been throwing a regulation size ball. So Drew's on the cusp of returning. I think here's the deal. Starting Teddy and waiting another week is a luxury that the Saints have. They have that luxury. Because even if they dropped that game, and I really hope they don't, but let's say they dropped that game, they'd be 6-2. and two. So they'd still be in a really good spot. But the Cardinals aren't that good. Now, the record says they are, and that's fine. But they've beat up on the Giants, the Falcons, and the Bengals. One winless team, one team with one te- win, and one- another team with two. So they're beating up on bad competition. I think you can start, Teddy. That said, if Drew comes into the building and says, I'm clear to play, I'm ready to play, I want to play, you start Drew Brees because that's who he is. He's number nine, and he'll still be fresh, and he'll still be fine. And I think that people who are worried he's going to come in and get hurt, it's the nature of the game. He might get hurt, and it's nothing you can control. I mean, the, the time he got hurt with his thumb is nothing you can control. That's a freak accident. That's just football. So when he says he's ready to play, you put him back in, you rely on number nine, and you keep this thing rolling. Um, but I think it's going to be an interesting situation. I bet Sean Payton wants to wait one more week just to give Drew even more time and keep him even more fresh because Chandler Jones is coming on that defense and he's coming off a four-sack game. But I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. So we'll see what happens. But I think the Saints are in an excellent spot. It's going to be a fun week to see what happens during practice. Keep your fingers crossed for uh, Eli Apple's injury update. Um, but overall, this Saints team is in a fantastic spot, and I love what they're doing so far in New Orleans. But that's going to do it for this episode, guys. I want to thank you so much for listening. Um, Keep in touch with what's going on with the Saints. We're going to have an Apple injury update very soon, and we'll know who's the starting quarterback in the coming days. But thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.